one of the things that I love about you, and, and we're, we're still just getting to know each other, is you're scrappy. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> you, your Facebook, email, whatever, yard signs, I'll, I'll do anything I can. Uh, that, that's what I aspired to when I was young and uh, actually still aspire to it. But uh, you do it in spades, and, and I, I think that's really incredible. I, I think a lot of people complain about stuff that you are, are joyful over. And stuff like having to do multiple services. I was talking to a guy recently and church is, is starting to boom and COVID hurt it bad. That, but it's one of the few churches around where I live that's coming on real strong and they're doing three services. And uh, it, it's like, well, you do three on Sunday morning, you, you could you could easily do a Saturday night. You know, I, I used to do Friday night, Saturday night and three on Sunday morning, at, you know, kind of my peak. And, uh, and I always wished I had never done Friday because I was traveling a lot. I'd go overseas and, and coach pastors, and it, and it shortened. I had to be back in time for Friday. So sometimes I'd come in from London and, and land at 4 o'clock, and by 8 o'clock, I'm up there talking to people. And, and that, was, that was a hard one. So I always wished I would have done two Saturdays and three Sundays. That, that would work. But this guy was kind of moaning about that he might have to start a Saturday night service. It's like, you ought to be rejoicing about that. So here I am looking at you. And, you know, when I started out, it, I was in a denomination that frowned on multiple services. You know, the, the, the litany was God can't, the Holy Spirit can't bless the same sermon twice. And that's really mm -hmm. limiting God. Anyway, um, we, we ended up doing it. And we were kind of pariah for doing that at that time. And now everybody's doing it. But um, you, you're, you're in a small building with a fairly small mm -hmm. congregation and you're doing three services, how big is the building and how big is your congregation? And why is that so cool to you that you're doing that? Yeah. So the building uh, was built in 1896 uh, and it was designed for ministry at that point. <laughs> so it, uh, it is not the layout I would design a church in today, uh, but it's the space that God has given us. So we're going to make the most of every single inch of that. Uh, so, uh, People, the congregation over the generations has stewarded that building so well. It is in great shape. It has, we, a couple of years, you just ran a 2,000 feet of Cat5 cable. There's Ethernet ports all over the place. We do video game tournaments as outreaches. I mean, this thing for an old building, uh, we're getting every ounce of juice out of this thing. Uh, and uh, technically, our, our seating capacity is about 120, uh, but that is your cheek to cheek on every single pew. About 75 to 80 is about the max of what you could do uh, and and have it feel comfortable. So uh, we we have the two services because it allows us the flexibility to to make them a little bit different. Uh, and we want people to to feel at home and and to, to connect uh, in in worship. And I think it allows us to, to have each service a little bit different. Uh, it allows people to come earlier or later, depending on if they have kids and it's hard to get them out of bed as early or maybe they have kids and there's soccer games later in the day and or they work later in the day uh, and coming to the early service helps out. So uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. ours are gotta, actually a little I, bit. I, I got to say yeah. something here and I want you to talk some more about the, the, the differences. But, you know, normally the the logic goes, well, our service is overcrowded. we got to go to two services. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, what they'll often do is split. And, and so then you, you just lost momentum. And I found if you guys start a second service, 
uh, you know, make sure your schedule, if you got to adjust your schedule, adjust the main schedule before you start the second service. Give it about six weeks. Then, then go start the second service at a different time. It started as a, like a small Bible study. You know, we started with um, my wife and I and one person with a guitar, and we announced it's a, it's a Bible study for people who serve in the other service. We're going to do this little Bible study. And, and that's how we started at early Sunday morning, second Sunday morning, uh, you know, extra service. That's how we started Friday night service. Friday night when I was in Hermosa became the biggest service. It was a Sunday morning service, but it was big rock and roll service. And uh, it was date night for a lot of young kids in the community. And it was huge. But um, the idea, the logic of overcrowding forced us to do this is poor logic. The logic of we're giving people a menu that meets their needs because each service can be different and a, a, a schedule menu in that the, the thing can uh, fit their time. There's a pastor that I knew in Orange County, big church, 8,000 people, and they were holding a service at uh, 5 a.m. for people who worked in bars and and some prostitutes, actually. And the reason that they did it is they said the bars close at 2. The people get a chance to go to Denny's and get something to eat, decompress a little bit, and then they show up at church at 5, and they go home and sleep. And so here, here's a, a, a church service, huge congregation, two morning services of 4,000 plus each. And then they, in, a, in a smaller room, they're, they're holding this church, Sunday morning church, for 50 people max. And they were willing to get up in the morning and do that because they cared about those people who otherwise aren't going to be in church. Uh, we found when we were doing Saturday night church in Honolulu, it became a place for elderly people. Also, our 7 a.m. 50-minute church service was a place for elderly people. A lot of them, like they, they they wake up early, so they could they would rather go to church early. And a lot of the guys they want to go out and play golf. And so that you know, but but the Saturday night thing, we started at 7 p.m. Then we moved it to six, and we moved it to five. Finally, we moved it to 4:30, because what as winter came on that first year, elderly people are coming and saying we don't like to drive in the dark. And so can we have church early enough? Then we begin to find out that they, that they like to be able to come to church early and then go to a restaurant for dinner with their friends from church. And all these things figure into the, this thing. And we are so cookie cutter in the way we approach church. And the reason that I like you so much is the, the cookie cutter, you, that's the, the least descriptive thing about you. You're, you're kind of doing everything and anything. Uh, expand on what I've said a little bit. From yeah. So, uh, I forget who said it, uh, but I, I heard a quote recently that said, uh, uh, tradition is peer pressure from dead people. Wow. Uh, and I, I love that quote. Um, so I grew up not really with a church tradition. Uh, so I'm, I'm all about what is the most effective way to do things. Uh, and I have to remind myself to be tactful sometimes because tradition is important to, to some people. And uh, there's a lot of sentimentality connected to things. So I have to be careful not to be callous to that. But uh, the second service, uh, it, it was actually uh, before I came here, it split into to two because it was getting too full. Uh, but it was really interesting. Uh, what happened was it was originally a 1030 service and an 830 was added. And it was mainly the younger people who started to come to the 830 service because of being able to go to work afterwards. And 
uh, over time, that service became more contemporary uh, because that's what the people wanted. Uh, and uh, the pastor at that time uh, had the the, the foresight to, to listen to the people and and to, to to shift the service and to to make it to what would connect with them the the best. So I walked into this situation uh, in in a very blessed way. Uh, but I'm so glad that it split. Uh, and even during uh, COVID and everything else, uh, we we didn't move back to going to one service or anything. Uh, and it, it's glad we we didn't because. Uh, the amount of kids that we have coming, it's if they were all in one service, it would be really difficult uh, to gather them together. Uh, we've had some weeks where 25 to 30 percent of our attendance is children. Uh, so uh, for them to uh, to attend Sunday school in one of our little side rooms uh, is very difficult. Uh, we're actually in the process now the the church back in the 80s bought a, an old rundown school building, uh, one room schoolhouse across the street. Uh, and they they refurnished it. So we're actually moving our children's Sunday school across the street now because they no longer fit in our church. Uh, so we're we're in the process of doing that. But if there was just one service, man, we would we'd have a lot of difficulty with doing that. Plus, I, I've always loved the fact that somebody can serve at one service and then just attend the other. And I think having multiple services gives people the opportunity to serve, but to still be fed that same day. And I don't want to take that away from people and say, you have to pick one or the other. That's really good. That's really, really good. You know, I, I knew a guy who pretty big church and uh, you know, we're, we're always doing what we called mini church um, or, you know, you, you get together and share about what, what the spirit said to you while the pastor was talking, but in this guy, his uh, half of his small groups, because that's what I call them were service teams. So you come in on Sunday and you set up, and that's your mini church. Well, you're not you're not having a whole lot spiritual going on while you know you're you're setting up tables or doing whatever you're doing. And I think you're doing a very wise thing. Talk to us a little bit about how did you uh, how, how did you get into the online church? And because uh, because you know I I can't figure out knowing you is it a is it a separate church? Is it a separate service? A lot of guys are just. Uh, you know, putting a, a camera in front of their face while they're up there preaching, and, and that's online church for us. You you're interacting with people, and I want to hear yeah. uh, that that angle. To, so expand on that a lot. Yeah. So back in back in 2018, I believe it was, uh, God started putting on my heart, uh, we need to reach the people who can't physically be here with us, and so. I felt like I was calling us to start an online church and uh, our, our ministry council, our church said, let's do it. <laughs> uh, and, and backed me in that. And we got the ball rolling. We got the, the camera, we got the equipment uh, and uh, things were starting to get in place. We were starting to record and stream services and, and building towards what God had called us to. And then COVID hit. Right. Uh, and when God said, I want you to reach the people who can't physically be here. I didn't know at one point that would be our entire church. Uh, but we were all set for COVID, uh, and man, God just led us through that. So, so well, we just pivoted and said, I, we're just doing everything we, with our equipment that we already have here. Um, so things kept rolling. We never experienced a, a dip, uh, during COVID our church actually grew, uh, in the amount of people attending and the giving, uh, which I didn't, I didn't speak to the giving. Uh, they just uh, people just started giving more during COVID, um, and they were 
knocking down the doors to get back in the building uh, by the end of it. Uh, thankfully, because we had two services, we were able to spread out really easily. So things worked out well. But uh, coming out of that, God had brought some new people to our church that were gifted with technology and saw the same vision, uh, heard the same calling that I had. And we launched what we we call the Echo, uh, which is our online church campus. Uh, it's It acts completely independently from our in-person church. So we still stream our in-person services. If somebody's on vacation or sick, they can still watch. But the Echo is not for them. Uh, and we're very upfront with that. Uh, when we launched it, we said we have found a, a community that doesn't really have many churches in it. And there's no missionaries really going there. And we said, we think that there's a real potential here for us to plant a church in this community. Uh, and then we told them that that community was in the digital space. Uh, and at that point, I, it, it was so clear that we should be there, uh, that whatever community it was didn't matter at that point, we should be there. Uh, so we have uh, digital missionaries. Uh, I, I go out and I have conversations with people on on, on Reddit, uh, on Discord. We have somebody else uh, who has had conversations with people on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and uh, we just invite them into this community. Uh, and uh, so we, we walk alongside of them. Uh, we've had services in VR and virtual reality. Uh, we've, uh, we've done Bible studies on Zoom and on Discord. Uh, and now we're, we're really just focusing in on this discipleship pathway and investing into people. And uh, the people that are have joined us are largely uh, largely high school and college age students. Uh, a lot of them are brand new believers who don't have a connection to a church. Uh, and before I had met with before I met you, Ralph, uh, we launched this at the end of summer. Uh, one of the things that I was hearing from them is we really wish that we had a mentor, somebody to walk alongside of us uh, because we, we don't know what to do after we come to Christ. What does all this look like? And there are so many amazing stories uh, of what these people are now doing as we're walking alongside of them. Uh, Cause we're doing that same discipleship pathway that we're doing in person. We're just doing it through zoom uh, mostly now. And uh, God is, is calling them uniquely calling them to make disciples, but also in these unique callings we have uh, we, we have a gentleman out in California who uh God has called him to to make a Christian video game. And, and he's in the process of doing that right now and and is working to document each step of the way and to, to be an example to those in that digital community. Uh, we have a 15-year-old uh, who came to us after uh, uh, the person who was leading our VR service, a guy called in a different direction. He's 15. Uh, he lives in California as well. And he goes, I, I feel like God is calling me to lead a, a worship service on Discord. Wow. So I said, let's let's do it. <laughs> so we're hoping to start that uh, in a couple of weeks here. Uh, and it's going to be messy. Right. But uh, I'm not going to be the person that that stops him from doing what God is calling him to do. Uh, it'll be a lot of on the job training, but it's going to be awesome. Uh, we have a, a couple in Georgia uh, starting a, a worship service, a church in their basement this Sunday. Uh, wow. And they're inviting all their friends and family members and coworkers. Uh, and uh, uh uh, Ebony is, is leading the service. Her husband has DJ equipment. He's doing the music. Their daughter is teaching Sunday school. The whole family is just getting together and going, all right, how are we gifted? Uh, let's use this for God and invite everybody we know into our house. Uh, I, I I just met with a, a family, a mother and daughter uh, on Tuesday this week, a couple of days ago. 
uh they they live in india they they got connected to us through the the vr service and they're the only christians in their town wow uh and uh it, it's it's so amazing they they said next week uh uh, our, our two cousins and my brother are going to be here as well. And I've, I've meant to, to walk through the discipleship pathway with them, right? The the one-on-one discipleship. And they're like, no, we we want to invite everybody we know. So I guess it's a micro church now. Uh, <laughs> we'll go where God takes it. Um, and it's, I had to have the conversation though with them. Uh, and I shared this with our church of, I had to ask them, is it legal to be a Christian where you live? And I've never asked somebody that question before. And it really hit me the magnitude of that, of regardless of how they answer this question, I'm still going to ask them to make a commitment to reach out and disciple others in their community. Uh, and man, that, that, that has some weight to it. Yeah. And it really kind of put things into perspective of, of what we're doing with this. Uh, we're going into places uh, where the gospel isn't being shared and it's not, uh, it's not countercultural. It's in some places it's against the culture, you know, and it's yeah. uh, I'm just excited about what these, all these people are doing. Uh, high school students in, in Canada, we have somebody who is, who's blind in Illinois. That's a part uh, walking through this. Uh, she, she doesn't have a ride to get to church. Uh, so, but she's able to, to hop onto our discord server where we all hang out during the week and we're talking to each other and, and fellowshipping, asking questions uh, about God's word and then uh, joining into that intentional discipleship as well. So as I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm, I'm a young pastor and I'm, I'm young enough that I, you know, this is not Ralph Moore speaking. I don't even know what discord is. And so I, I'm, I'm young enough that I understand what discord is and <laughs> I'm not afraid of VR and I'd really like to do what you're doing. Uh, t- take take me into um a, a, maybe even if you got to only if you have to a little bit about hardware what I, what I need to set one of the things that i i learned I, I wasted a lot of money trying to do this podcast i i, I bought all these different kind of microphones and a uh, an expensive recorder and and then i found out that i could do it with zoom with a little 300 dollars camera that that fits over the top of my thing and, and now I, you know i do these coach courses and i finally uh figured out that i could you know use a teleprompter and make the courses better i'm i'm just learning as i go but i i, I wasted a lot of money so maybe save me some money but tell me yeah. if, if i'm going to go online and do something I, I, what i how do i present myself do i because because my in the back of my brain it's going to look like a normal church service and or i'm going to live stream a service and try to get people to talk to me afterwards that's not what you're doing. So tell me what it is that I should yeah. do. Yeah. So uh, number one, uh, we wanted to reach people where they're at. And people don't hang out uh, in maybe coffee shops and bars as much as they used to, but they spend a lot of time online. Uh, so let's just meet at them online and whatever platform that they're on, let's build a relationship with them there and let's be the church there. Uh, let's bring the church to them. Uh, instead of expecting them to walk in our doors. So that was kind of uh, the motivation behind uh, behind doing this. And we realized as we went that God wasn't calling us to plan a church service. He wasn't planning us to, to, to plan a worship service. Uh, he's calling us to make disciples. Uh, so 
where we started off and where we're now looks a lot different because we've just really simplified this to saying, let's just make disciples. And then however God calls people to serve him, we're just going to empower them and encourage them to do that. And this will take whatever shape and form it ultimately takes based on uh, who comprises his body here. Uh, so the awesome thing is, is it's basically zero overhead. Uh, I bought a pair of, of VR goggles uh, so I could be a, a part of that service and sit in on it. Uh, but that was it. Uh, everything we do on Discord, and for those who aren't familiar with Discord, uh, if you're familiar with uh, the old AOL Instant Messenger and chat rooms, it's basically those two things combined together in a free app. Uh, so you can talk as a large group. You can have little breakout rooms. Uh, but there's basically zero overhead. We have uh, no space we're running, uh, no pastor we're paying. Uh, so as we uh, as we have conversations about offering, um, it, it's not going to pay any bills. Uh, what we've set out to do is have anything that comes in through offering go be kept in a storehouse. And when God calls people to specific ministry, we can go into that storehouse and say, all right, we can resource you in this. And wow. what is given goes back out. Uh, and it's, it's a beautiful thing because I, I think that, that 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 speaks to a lot of what the the early church was doing of holding everything in common and dispersing as there was need. So we're just accepting the offering, let people uh, uh, have that blessing, uh, but also to say, all right, we're just going to hold this until God reveals the need, That's right. and then we're going to give it back. 